Well, we're staring down the winter time. November is looming and a lot of us are out chasing game instead of fish. But that doesn't mean fishing season's completely over. I've got a lot of tackle prep to do and we're gonna talk about that and more on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey guys, LaChance here. Appreciate you tuning in once again to this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. It's the end of October almost, and I'm actually recording a couple of these uh, back to back to back because deer season for me is looming, and we've been out hunting antelope and, uh, and managed to get that taken care of and freezer full. And now we're looking at deer as well. And on top of that, um, I just sold my boat for the year, which is something I do every single year. Sell the boat at the end of the year and start fresh with a new Ranger boat uh, at, it, in every spring. And the reason being is it keeps me in the latest and greatest. And when you guys have questions about new electronics or new motors or whatever it might be, the greatest new haul out there, I may have answers for you. Plus, it adds value to our guide trips and keeps me in very reliable equipment and things like that. So Ranger Boats and the guys at Crowley Boats in Denver do a great job of taking care of us. And uh, Lawrence Electronics makes sure everything's up to speed all the time. And I just sold the boat to a fine gentleman back in Minneapolis. Hopefully, he will enjoy that, uh, that boat for years to come with his teenage son. They're doing some high school bass fishing. So should be good for those guys. But what does that mean really? And where are we at in this podcast since I'm rambling already? Well, what it means is to me this time of year is all about tackle prep. And that doesn't make necessarily a lot of sense. Now, don't get me wrong. I haven't given up fishing. We're still fishing, uh, but more focused on hunting these days than anything else. We'll do some trout fishing. We'll do some bank walking. Uh, for sure, I'll take on some brown trout here as the season goes on. <clears throat> excuse me, I'd like to apologize too. I'm still a little under the weather. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you know I've been under the weather for a couple of weeks. Um, oddly enough, fighting a bout of mononucleosis, which I didn't see coming at this age, but whatever. It is what it is. <clears throat> so at any rate, for me, this is prep season, tackle prep. And again, that sounds counterintuitive because, hey, season's winding down. I'm not guiding anymore. We're basically done filming for the new season of Fishful Thinker Television. Why would I be doing tackle prep? Well, here's why. I advocate doing tackle prep at this time of year because everything is fresh in your mind. Um, you will remember, hopefully anyway, remember things that you need things that broke, things you were short on, things you just generally wish you had, uh, things like that. It's fresh in your mind, for one. For two, uh, even if you don't sell your boat, there's a good chance you're moving out of your boat for the season uh, as you get ready for winter time here. We're looking at November. Again, first freeze is coming. So if you're a northern guy like me, you've got to get make sure you get the water out of the boat and all that. Well, what it, what it means is you're moving a bunch of your tackle out of your boat, and that's the best time to basically get together for spring so that when, say, February rolls around and you're starting to think about those early spring trips, if you're a northern guy like me, you know, February or so, you're starting to get stir crazy and you're starting to think about fishing in spring. Well, that's not the time to start visiting your tackle when you may not have time to order stuff, you may not remember what condition it was in, uh, yada, yada, yada. The other thing and why this time of year is important 
is because all the tackle that was released new for this season typically starts hitting shelves around this time of year or hitting websites at very least. So you can go to a place like sportsmans.com and get tackle that guys like me were showing you back in July when it was released at ICAST. So for instance, the, the classic one, the Berkeley Slobberknocker, which is a bladed jig, uh, that thing won uh, best uh, best lure at ICAST this year, best freshwater lure at ICAST this year. It also won the the Angler's Choice Award for best overall. Well, you weren't able to get that lure until just now. It is just now starting to hit websites. Here we are at the end of October. So yeah, I've been fishing it since spring, and it's been available uh, for media types and things like that to look at and photograph and play with. But if you're just average angler with no connections to to somebody, then you're not necessarily have access to it till now. So, and that's common with a lot of baits. That's just the one I chose for a case study. So now is the time that I want to go through all the stuff that I just took out of my boat and assess the condition of it and strip or get rid of anything that needs to be stripped or gotten rid of. So... For instance, let's start with the rods and reels because that's the obvious part with Fishful Thinker and uh, and with guiding and with the television show and all that. We do we have a lot of fish and tackle and we do multi-species stuff, so I have a lot of tackle related to a lot of different type of fish and I have fly tackle as well to deal with. Maybe you're a bass fisherman that does tournaments and you've got a bunch of bass rods or a walleye guy. Uh, maybe you're just a, a fly fisherman doesn't do any tournaments at all and you fish weekends, but you've got a half dozen fly rods. Regardless of the situation, now is the time to maintenance those rods as you're winding up for the year. And again, I'm not quitting fishing for the season. There's some fantastic fishing still to go on here in November uh, and then some tailwater fishing also uh, in the midwinter seasons. If you're an ice fisherman, great. You still got ice fishing season, but that typically involves completely different tackle, which gives you a chance to take care of your open water tackle. So, so not to digress, back to the rods and reels. Things, rods and reels for me that have monofilament on them, immediately the monofilament's coming off. Uh, monofilament has a short half-life, so to speak. It does not like sunshine. It does not like moisture. Uh, you put those two things together on a fish rod, leave it on the deck of your boat, and you fish with it for very long, monofilament's not going to age well. It's not going to deal well over the winter. It's also, even if it was relatively new and you put it away, it's going to have a tremendous amount of uh, memory in it. And therefore, you're going to have issues with line twist. Uh, unless you're very good at controlling your slack line, you're going to have some issues with, with line management in the spring. So anything with nylon monofilament comes off altogether. Anything that's low on line... Uh, that maybe I was limping through at the end of the season. Maybe I tied a piece on the end, which is common for me with braided line. I will tie two pieces together. Maybe a spool's getting short. I don't want to burn a whole 150 yards of, of braided line, so I'll tie off a piece to the end of it and tie fit, put 50 yards on the end, something like that. Again, those will come off at this time of year, and we'll start fresh in spring with new lines. So line's the first thing I think of. Fluorocarbon line, I'll pull a bunch of it out, uh, lay the, open the bale, lay the rod down, pull a bunch of it out, and run my hands down it for like 50 feet of it, checking it for nicks, damage, anything like that. 
in my case, the reels each have a piece of tape on them so that I know at what date that line was put on there. If that fluoro has been on there all season, it'll come off. If it was put on there in the last, say, month of the season, I might winter it over, particularly if it's heavy fluorocarbon, say, 12 pound or above on a casting rod. Regardless, all the line gets checked. A lot of it will come off, and I will not respool it until spring. I will leave those sitting until I'm starting to get ready to actually put tackle back in the boat in spring. Uh, then I will go ahead and spool those up. But in the meantime, they will sit without line on them, and I recommend you do the same. Along those lines, I will verify whether I have in my stock collection in my shop line to replace that line. If I don't, it goes on my shopping list. And that shopping list always starts at this time of year. I will start with a shopping list uh, and then I will put all that together. So I will go through my selection of line that I have. And I buy most of my line in bulk spools, 1,000 or 2,000 yard spools. I uh, don't buy very much line in small spools because I end up with more waste that way and I go through a lot of fishing line. Now, you may not be spooling as many rods as me. You may not run a guide business and host a TV show and blah, blah, blah. Therefore, maybe you only have five or six rods and therefore you don't spool you know, thousands of yards of line at a time like we do. So maybe you buy smaller spools. Regardless of that, check that you have it in stock now because especially since we got that rona and now we got this whole you know economic climate fishing tackle is still not 100 percent reliably available so if i know that i need say 12 pound test mono and you know 20 pound test fluorocarbon and six pound test whatever blah 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 i can put that on a list now i can get all that stuff ordered before december and potentially take advantage of holiday season as well for getting deals on things. And that can be a big deal for a lot of people uh, is getting really good deals on tackle. So the end of season also, you will see at this time of year, you will see just manufacturers, excuse me, retailers in general put tackle on sale, which is in your benefit to be able to buy it now. So something like you know, sportsmen's make clearance a big fishing sale at the end of season clearance sale. Well, now's an excellent time to buy durable products or consumable products that last. Durable products being rods and reels, uh, things like that, pliers, tools, lures, um, you know, things that are, well, lures really aren't there technically consumable, but the, the nuts and bolts items would be your durables. Consumable items are things you're going to go through as you use them. So if you're a fly guy, that would be, you know, tippets and leaders and things like that. You know, uh, spinning guy, obviously sinkers, hooks, line, blah, blah, blah. Now is the time to go through your equipment and make sure of what you have or you don't have. So as part of taking all of those rods and reels out of the boat and then stripping line, I will also strip all the lures off all of them and put those back in their requisite boxes. Once that is done, I will go through each box one at a time and check the quick condition of the lures. And in my case, again, it's a tremendous amount of lures. Yours might not be as much. The, the fewer lures you have, the more time you can afford to take and make sure they're all good. I will give everybody a once over checking for split ring condition and hook condition. Uh, checking for cracked paint in the case of balsa lures that's going to leak. 
uh, cracked diving lips in the case of anything. Um, again, damaged hooks or split rings being obvious, rusted things being obvious. I will go through each of my boxes and make sure that all of my, you know, Berkeley Square Bulls are all in good condition and that I have the color ranges that I want. If I don't have all my requisite colors, Again, I will check my back stock. Do I have any of them? No, I don't. Okay, those go on that aforementioned list we're talking about. Very important that you go through all of those so that in spring, when you want that one perfect crankbait on that nice, you know, great first spring day and you got the boat in the water, you have the crankbait you want and it's in the condition you need to fish it and be good. So I will go through all the boxes like that. <clears throat> the smaller boxes, things like uh, terminal tackle, hooks and sinkers. Obviously, I'm going to go through and check my selection first. Do I have all my drop shot hooks and my worm hooks and my blah, 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 whatever it might be? I will check that I have the styles and sizes of the hooks that I want in that box. I will check the condition of those hooks as well and that they're in the right places in those boxes. And again, any shortages, I'll check in my back stock. If I don't have the bulk packages of them, then I will get those on my list. In addition, I'll check for things like bobber stops if you use them. I will check for things like shrink tubing for my wacky rigs and make sure that I have that quarter-inch shrink tubing that I use to make my Berkeley Generals uh, stay on wacky rigs very, very well. A key thing to have. I'll make sure that I have Gorilla Glue that I can uh, touch plastics and things and make them stay or glue stuff back together as needed. But all the stuff that stays with my terminal box, I will check all of that out every single time uh, at this time of year and again make my list of what I need. So that will go along with the list of line and or missing baits that I might need. And I always go through baits by genre. Uh, all the wire baits, uh, you know, all the spinner baits and buzz baits, things like that, uh, topwater baits, I'll go through them all by genre and make sure that I have the cross section and the weights and the blade combinations or whatever that I need to have. Uh, another thing that I think gets lost uh, is the things like sunglasses. Now, in my case, I've been with Costa for a long time. I have a lot of sunglasses. I wear basically the same couple of lens colors all the time. I either wear the Sunrise Silver or the Green Mirror lens the overwhelming majority of the time. Uh, I will make sure that I have my lenses in good condition. If anybody's chipped, anybody's cracked, anything like that, they will go back for repair. Uh, now's the time to do it, not when you need them. Uh, so I will take care of that as well. Another thing that I think a lot of people don't think about is your tools. And Tools are something that is it's one of those deals that I think people just don't take enough time to deal with considering how necessary they are in, in your boat. But things like all my pliers, I've been carrying the same kind of aluminum Berkeley pliers for a very long time, probably 12 or 15 years. Every year I will put a couple of drops of lube on those. I will tighten the main, the, uh, the main nut or excuse me, the main kind of screw that holds those together. And I will check the cutting blades to make sure they'll still snip blade braided line how I want. If they won't, again, they will go on the list and I will order replacement cutters for them so that they are sharp. Uh, forceps, same kind of thing. I will lube them, make sure they're free of rust, make sure they move freely. By lubing them at this time of year, letting them sit all winter, you are assured that in the spring they're not seized up when you get ready to use them. They're ready to go. So I will take care of my tools 
uh, all of my tools. Uh, I carry a hook file all the time. I will make sure it's good. I will remove the batteries from anything I'm not going to use in the winter. For instance, my uh, scale that I keep in the in the boat for in the instance that I catch something really big or we're doing some tournament or something. That thing I'll remove the batteries from. I guarantee you if you leave the batteries in it all winter, it will be dead in spring. So pull the batteries out of it, bring them in the house, store them, put them back in it in spring. Lo and behold, your stuff will work just fine. So that's another thing I'll do. Uh, another one for me, which is big, is gulp. All of my gulp, and I go through a lot of gulp, all of the gulp has to be protected from freezing. And I live in Colorado, so all the gulp goes in a spot in the garage where I know it will not get below freezing, it will not freeze. If you live somewhere where it can freeze, all of that gulp's going to go bad. So you don't want it to do that. It's going to get very hard, uh, physically hard and hard to deal with. So Try to keep your gulp from freezing. So I'll get all of it sorted through and put together uh, and put in one spot in my garage that I know does not freeze. Uh, along those lines, same thing with plastics. Do I have my cross-section of colors and shapes and sizes of plastics? Now, that can be a really big one. And plastics I try to keep in what I call job lot quantities, and that's left over from working in retail but, uh, for instance, uh, if you walk in a Home Depot, they don't want to have one tube of a particular kind of caulk. They want to have six because if a painter walks in there, he's not going to buy one tube. He's going to need six for this job. Uh, you know, one two-by-four, same kind of thing. They need certain minimum quantities on hand at all times. Same thing with me uh, when it comes to soft plastics because... It, it doesn't matter if I have three individual tubes left in a bag. As far as I'm concerned, I'm out of those tube jigs. So I need more of those. So I want to have on hand for, for me. Now, understand that, again, I'm guiding clients. So typically, I'm basically feeding two anglers a day all day with tube jigs or, or plastics of whatever kind it might be, including gulf. I need to have three bags of everything just to get me started. And if it's a key thing, like for instance, a two and a half inch green pumpkin power tube that I'm gonna go through a bajillion of, I wanna have like 16 or 18 bags on hand because I will go through one or two of those bags per day. If there's 10 or 12 baits per bag and I have two anglers and he and each angler snags five times over a course of a full day of fishing, well, I've gone through that many tubes and that assumes none of them get torn up. Those are just the snags. So I'm going to need a bunch of them on hand. And so, and I would advocate that if, hey, if it's your confidence bait, one bag of them is not enough. In fact, I'd rather have five bags of my confidence bait than one bag of five different baits because confidence catches fish. And when you run out of your confidence bait, you're going to run out of confidence and you're not going to catch as many fish. So I want to make sure I have what I consider job lock quantities on hand. And for me, that means things like gulp minnows, two and a half inch and three and a half inch tubes, uh, four inch and five inch uh, Berkeley the Generals, which is basically a soft stick worm. Um, gonna have a bunch of those on hand at any given time. Also along those lines, and we kind of touched on this a little bit ago, jig heads. Um, my tube jig heads, I got to have a lot of jig heads. I, and you probably do as well, maybe not as many as I do because you're not professional per se, and therefore you don't go through as many of them, 
but if you're a guy that fishes a couple days a week and you like to fish tube jigs, well, it makes no sense to not take advantage of the season and spend all winter gathering those up rather than trying to find them six jigs at a time in the summer. They're not going to get any cheaper when you do that, for one, and you're going to spend time trying to get them. So go ahead and buy you know, five dozen of them now, and you're set up for the entire season. Maybe you can find a bulk price on them. Maybe, again, you go into Sportsman's during their fall fishing sale and get a bunch of them that way. Whatever it is, take advantage of the time you have now and get them in bulk because they won't go bad. If you don't use them all, you'll use them the following season. So they're, they're not going to go anywhere. So get a bunch of, say, in my case, 8-ounce jig heads. I will go through easily, easily a dozen, dozen, uh, eight ounce jig heads and I might go through 20 dozen because again I'm guiding people and I, it's, a, it's something I'm going to use a lot and you're something you're going to go through a bunch of so make sure you have a bunch of them on hand now is the time to make the list and start sourcing them therefore you're not paying expedited shipping you're not driving all over town whatever the case might be and again you can take advantage of the holidays also, at this time of year, I will check anything that may potentially be broken. So when I'm working on those rod and reels, and I'm kind of skipping around a little bit, guys, because I'm literally in the throes of doing this activity right now in my garage while we're talking here. Um, while I'm stripping line off all those reels, I will check them for any damage. Is, is there a missing part? Is the inner reverse working correctly? Is you know, anything on that spinning reel. Is the bale tripping correctly or is it sticky? Uh, you know, whatever the case is there. And this is a big one, guys. This is a huge one. Is there any damage to the lip of the spool? In other words, where the line comes off of the lip of a spinning reel, is there any damage to it? If you're talking about a casting reel, is there any damage to the line guide where it goes back and forth? Uh, any damage on that or any dirt or scum on there, I will check for damage. If it's going to have to be repaired or replaced, now is the time to deal with it. As I do that, I may also set reels aside that are in need of cleaning, obvious need of cleaning. So if you're a bank angler, this can be really important. If you're a guy that fishes a lot of live bait, again, can be very important. Your reels will accumulate goop and gunk in visible spots. I will clean all those. To be honest with you, I am not a guy that likes to fully disassemble reels and clean them. That's because I have a lot of reels and I'm not particularly inclined to take them all apart time-wise. However, I will give them a light surface cleaning without question and make sure that everything is, is the surface of them is clean and anything obvious is lubed with a dry lube. And I use dry lube on my stuff because I don't want it to attract more gunk. So I will, I will use hot water to clean them. I will displace that hot water with WD-40. I will let the reel dry and then I will dry lube it in any place that I can get to, including the shaft on a spinning reel, uh, a simple disassembly in gears on the casting reel because you could expose the gears on those easy enough. Uh, anything like that, I will go ahead and take care of. Same thing with the rods uh, over the course of the winter, but as I'm putting them away, I will check them and then I'll use blue painter's tape to mark anything that needs to be addressed going forward. Uh, any reel or any rod, as I'm disassembling them, I can mark them and I can come back and revisit them between now and Christmas and get that stuff on order. Rods, I will check the guides to make sure that they're all smooth, that I don't have any loose inserts and that I don't have any loose guides or bent guides and that the real seats are in good shape on those. 
<clears throat> I also, depending over the course of the winter, just as a little bit of a side note, a magic eraser works wonderful for cleaning up cork grips. Uh, get the grip wet, get the magic eraser wet, uh, and use that magic eraser to clean the grips. Your grips will feel soft and grippy and good as new uh, when you start springtime, if you get started on all that now. Uh, you know, because again, in my case, there's a lot of rods and they all need to be checked out, but they will all be checked out this time of year. The other thing I will check out is for any condition of things like my throwables for my boat, my, my throwable flotation device. I have a good friend that got a ticket because it had a blown seam on one side of his throwable. They deemed it was not reliable because it had a, the seam blown out of it, the, the, the stitching had just failed, and they wrote him a ticket for not having a throwable. Check your throwable. Check your PFDs along the same lines. Make sure there's not any torn seams, broken buckles, anything like that that they are in good condition, now you still have time to source them. Um, same thing if you've happened to have had an inflatable life jacket that blew up, make sure you have an, an additional uh, inflator kit available so that if that happens in spring, again, you're not down a life jacket, you're ready to go when, when time comes. Uh, that can be a, an important piece of thing. My toolkit that stays in my boat along the same lines, I keep a toolkit. The toolkit typically will change year to year with the boats because sizing on some things will change. For instance, the ghost trolling motor came out. It's got a different nut size for the prop than what I previously used. Again, check that. Make sure that your pliers or whatever it is you keep in your toolkit, I keep a very simple toolkit. Make sure it is in non-rusty condition. That is a big one that happens commonly is your toolkit somehow, some way will get moisture in it over the, over the summer. Then it's all rusty. When you need it, those pliers won't work. Check the toolkit. Make sure it's in good condition. Again, spray everything down with a rust-free uh, rust inhibitor and you're good to go. Along those same lines, a, my first aid kit. First aid kit will be brought out at the end of the season. Like when I take it out of the boat, I will make sure of what was taken out of it and used. If nothing was, and it's been, I've been very lucky all season, I will only just check it for condition. Make sure no moisture got in it. Make sure it's in good condition and that I can use it going forward as well. Uh, so that's a, a key thing is to make sure it's ready to go. But at the end of the day, what all of this preparation really does is while doing it while it's fresh in your mind and it's all disorganized anyway, I just took it out of the boat and, and now's the time to take care of all of it. And at very least, even if you're not going to do all the maintenance stuff I talked about, at very least make lists, go through the boxes quickly, make lists, figure out what it is you're going to need and then get them sourced between now and next spring instead of waiting until it's a fire drill in the springtime. Along those lines, I do the same thing with park passes and all that. There's, there's not a lot of point in waiting on those. Get them all done as soon as they expire and, and whatever it is you need and you'll be ready to go as far as it goes there. And again, we're just trying to avoid the springtime fire drill so that you, when you get a whim, you're ready to hit the water on a moment's notice. So, uh, with that, I've got a bunch of work in my uh, shop to do here. So uh, I'm going to get out and take care of that, guys, and I recommend you do the same. But the last thing I'll throw out there is Fishing Tackle makes fantastic Christmas gifts, either for you or somebody else. So if you know that, hey, I need a new spinning reel because this particular one is no good, make note of what size you need 
uh, of spinning reel and put it on a list. Somebody will invariably ask you, okay, well, this is what I'm looking for. I need a spinning reel in this size. It used to drive me crazy when I worked at Sportsman's Warehouse and Aunt Gertrude had come walking in there. I want to buy a... A reel for my nephew. Oh, great. I'd love to help you with that, Miss Gertrude. What can I do? Well, you know, what kind of fishing does he does? Well, I don't know. Kind of lakes and sometimes rivers. Well, it doesn't really help me. So if she's got some specific information, well, he said he needed a size 20 spinning reel. Okay, well, that helps me out. I can, I can maybe help you as an associate. So give specific information. If you know what you need because you've done all this homework right now, you can put that on a Christmas list for other people. Or now's the chance to spy on some of your other friends and figure out what they need and get it going sooner than later such that availability is not an issue. So that's the end of my rant for this week, guys. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, we would appreciate that very much uh, on our social media. That's at Fishful Thinker on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, especially YouTube. We're still doing at least one and typically two videos a week on there. Uh, would love to have you subscribe. That's a labor of love, guys. We would appreciate that. Also, my personal pages, and I don't, they're a little bit different, guys. You're going to see some stuff besides just fishing on those, but uh, the Chad LaChance uh, Facebook page or the Livin' LaChance Instagram page, either one, um, those are my personal stuff. It may be hunting and cooking as much as it is fishing on those, but those are things that I love to do as well. So you can check those out. And uh, also, we have re-signed our contracts for next year. We will be on World Fishing Network and Altitude Sports, both networks, uh, this coming year, as we are right now. But we will be in January. Uh, of course, we're streaming on Outdoor America and Roku and uh, Fubo and a whole, a whole bunch of other places. So check us out, guys. We'd appreciate that very much. Otherwise, thanks for tuning in. This has been Fishful Thinker, the podcast.